This is the Martin Waymeyer podcast. We're a public relations team that loves Lansing, and we have a passion for making Michigan a better place. Our firm provides strategic communications, issue management, and digital strategy. I'm Jessica Tremontana, a senior account executive, and I'm joined by my colleague, Emily Mata. And today we're chatting with a dynamic and incredible person who started a nonprofit, Tashmika Torah, with the Firecracker Foundation. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am glad that you came in on your day off, so thank you. I did, but I'm still wearing my yoga pants, so technically it's still like 50% of a day off. This is the beauty of radio. No one can see it. <laughs> you look like a million bucks as I do. Yeah, I'm wearing furs and jewels. <laughs> and a suit underneath. As a nonprofit that. executive director, <laughs> that's what I'm wearing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the Firecra- Firecracker Foundation. What do you do, and really, how did that even get started? So we provide holistic healing services to children who experience sexual violence and their families. And that looks like uh, individual mental health therapy, caretaker support group, and uh, trauma-sensitive yoga. And we've also started providing a lot of advocacy services, um, two of which are Title IX advocacy program for kids in K through 12 schools. And then we are starting um, a trauma-informed midwifery education and doula program for pregnant and parenting teen survivors. Um, and then we do a whole bunch of community education around topics related to preventing um, sexual violence. Wow. Yeah. What, what counties do you serve? Uh, all Ingham, Eaton, and Clinton. I always want to say ICE, <laughs> <laughs> but those, those are the counties that we serve. So how many, um, do you have an estimate of how many um, folks you have that are volunteers as well as people that you serve? Yeah, we have about 75 volunteers on any given day. Um, we have lots of committees, as you, you well know. Um, and we have, uh, you know, our board, we have our advocates, um, and we have people who just come in and help and do random things that, you know, like clean up the office or hang up pictures on the wall. It's a real community effort, which is something that I really love about our organization. Um, and then we we serve around 100 children a year right now. Um, 50 families is about how that breaks down. Um, and so it's it's growing every day and getting much, much more, uh, much bigger than I ever imagined, for yeah, sure. That's incredible. And I'm on the communications committee, so background, and I kind of feel personally vested in your mission and your organization. And I think you do incredible things. Um, Around the holidays, Martin Waymeyer coordinates with nonprofits to offer a charitable donation and communication services instead of a gift to clients like chocolates. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how you and I met, and Mm -hmm. you picked a communications training. Tell me what that taught you and what a nonprofit like yours um, works to communicate or tell the communities that it serves. Right. So back when we did it, we were, um, it was only our second year in as an organization. And so our focus was really trying to communicate with people who weren't um, our clients. So we had a really strong push to like find people who identified as survivors to, because we're a survivor led, survivor focused organization. And we started to feel like we were kind of, um, you know, like looking through a keyhole too, too specific. And we really wanted to open up to the community and, and get to know other people and bring other people um, to this work and to the movement. Um, and so now, you know, we did that and I feel like we have, we have grown exponentially. We, we were just um, meeting with our communications person, our social media manager. And, um, you know, we have really great engagement. We have really great community built around um, the, the work that we do. And now we're starting to have to parse out our communications because now we have like our clients that we have specific things that needs to 
go to them, and then we have our volunteers, and then we have our donors, and then we have our community at large. And so we're really kind of now getting so big that we're having to like get really crystal clear on where those boundaries are, which is the new challenge for the Firecracker Foundation. A good challenge to have. <laughs> It's Maya, my dog, scratching at the door, desperate to get in. <laughs> I heard that random sound. She's like, I have something to say. And she's like, help, Mom, why'd you lock me out? Um, Emily, what were some of the nonprofits that Martin Waymeyer focused on this year? Um, we try to do, like, a theme every year. What was this year's theme, and who, who benefited from that? Sure. So this year we um, focused on animals. So we went with Leader Dogs for the Blind, um, the Ingham County Animal Shelter, and the Capital Area Humane Society. So kind of like Jess touched on earlier, a lot of firms do like some tchotchkes around holiday time, um, but Martin Waymeyer is focused on making Michigan a better place, and we wanted to do something philanthropic kind of around that. So we've worked with Firecracker Foundation in the past, and this year was all about animals since we love our dogs so much. Yeah, and we're a dog-friendly office, as you know, through my, my cranky old mm-hmm. lab mix <laughs> <laughs> that greeted you with a growl. So thank you, Maya, for being a jerk for our guest. Um, the Firecracker Foundation, as you said, serves several different counties. You know, tell us about some of the challenges that you have with serving such a younger clientele. I mean, when you're working with kids around a very sensitive topic, and they're dealing with traumatic circumstances mm-hmm. that, that, you know, may be difficult to navigate. Tell us a little bit about how you work that out. The hardest thing um, working with kids is probably how powerless children are just generally in our culture. Um, they don't get the opportunity to make a lot of choices about what their treatment looks like, what school they go to, I mean, everything down to what time they wake up in the morning. You know, children just don't have a lot of power over their lives, and so because they've already experienced something that takes away their power, it can be really hard to, to navigate giving power to people who don't have power. Um, So at the Firecracker Foundation, we really work hard to create environments where children get to practice consent a lot. They get to make choices about what the rules are um, in our space. So every group, we're always like, what are the ground rules? And they've said everything from like, no stinky feet on my yoga mat to like, you know, um, don't say these words because they trigger me. So it goes like, you know, it can go all over the place, but we write those on the wall and those are our rules for that, you know, for that group. And so... Um, I think that's that's one of the, the challenges that we face. Um, and then also just the fact that people just don't really understand, um, still don't understand, or choose not to understand what sexual violence looks like and, and the many ways that it manifests for children and the many ways that that impacts their mental health or, and just their well-being overall. Yeah. Tell us about the yoga, too. You know, you mentioned that earlier, about that's a specific way of helping children mm-hmm. kind of deal with that um, trauma you know, what's the purpose of that and how does that work? So yoga is a really incredible way for people who feel disconnected from their body because of trauma to reconnect. Um, A lot of times with children specifically, they start treating their body as the enemy um, rather than the trauma itself. And so um, it gives them an opportunity to practice um, movement in their body and really learn um, to focus on how their body feels and to tend to their body. Um, a lot of the things that happen with untreated sexual trauma is, you know, uh, disordered eating or self-harm um, and addiction, and a lot of that has to do with being disconnected from your body. So um, yoga is a really great way to help people kind of tie that back together. And then um, 
it also is a consent-based practice, right? So when you're in yoga and we say, you know, we're going to do this posture, um, but it's your choice. How does it feel? If it doesn't feel good, then you don't have to do it. And so if you can imagine the difference between experiencing trauma where you have no choice and no power, and then being in a room with adults who say, you don't have to do this if it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. um, you can choose a different posture. You can lay on the mat and sleep if you're tired, you know, like what, and you'll still be safe and we'll still treat you with respect um, can be a really powerful practice. Yeah, so it it's, sounds like it's almost mindfulness meets with the ability to give them some um, power over sure. their, their day, their life, that hour. Right, and yoga is like this 3,000-year-old practice that has always been consent-based and has always been this healing practice that um, really helps people recognize um, and be in tune with their body. And so we are just um, offering that as a gift to our to our clients so that they can practice that too. Um, and they, you know, they really love it. And, you know, one of my favorite things last year is I think people also um, – think that we only work with girls and we work with all kids regardless of gender. Um, And one of my favorite things last year was walking in seeing all these big boy tennis shoes like lined up across the wall because we had a big class of of young um, teen boys. Um, And so it's like just watching them engage in that practice and be able to know that they're all there for the same reason um, and they're all, you know, getting to practice in whatever way feels good to their body is really amazing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what an average day is like for you. Oh, man. Was, <laughs> <laughs> Loaded question. No, I was joking with a friend of mine um, a couple days ago that I'm, I think the kids probably don't know if I'm like the groundskeeper or like what it is that I actually do. Because any day it could be anything. I mean, I'm yeah, here she doing. She cleans the office. That's yeah, right. I, I know. Like I was hanging up pictures, you know, putting furniture together. Um, an average day usually, though, is um, lots, lots and lots of um meetings. I know there's like this really negative connotation to meetings, but in our office, meetings are like, um, you know, we have all these programs and we talk about them being holistic. So we are talking about families, we're talking about kids, and we're, you know, we're checking in about where they're at in the process and whether, you know, what we think we need to add to this group or what we need to take away to make that group better for this particular child. And so it is a lot of a lot of conversation, a lot of deep conversation about that. But then it's also, you know, like I said, like we're cleaning, we're hustling, we're fundraising, um, and you know, there's a lot of joy in our work. I feel really, really blessed and and honored to get to work with with the people that I work with because they love these children, but they also create a really beautiful, positive community to work in um, where there's a lot of mutual respect and a lot of focus. You know, like the focus is on creating this community invested in children and their healing and everyone is like you know we all kind of have a laser focus on that Mm -hmm. um and that's a really beautiful thing yeah you know I I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge you know how you started the firecracker foundation you know you you yourself were a victim of Mm -hmm. sexual um, violence so you know could you talk a little bit about you know how how this mission is for you personal and you can talk about whatever level you're comfortable with sharing sure Yeah, no, I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. My father was my perpetrator between the ages of six and eight years old. And so when I became a teenager, um, I started to, you know, I was able to do anything. My mother gave me access to anything that I asked for, except for the cello, it was too expensive. Um, But (laughs) 
anything I was able to, anything I was interested in, she really what allowed me to do. And so I, when I became an adult, I started to think about why I was doing so well. Because there are ways that I'm not doing great, right? Like there are ways that I, you know, have PTSD and I have um, depression and like all these things that are very real for survivors, lots of survivors. Um, I'm certainly not unique. But um, when I was thinking about, you know, why am I doing so well, I started to think about all of the ways that I was able to participate in things that were healthy, right? Like I was able to do drama and I did choir and I was in, you know, like cheerleading. And one year I did like seven things because I wanted more letters on my jacket, which is really stupid. I wouldn't, <laughs> but it if, you're, if you're a high school student, don't it's do that. Big. It's really dumb. Um, <laughs> it's a big deal when you're nice. Yeah, right. I wanted more letters on my jacket, which did I buy a jacket? No, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to create a space where youth could do healthy things that weren't necessarily the normative um, therapeutic practices um, and, and, you know, be supported financially through that. Um, and so this is that's kind of how the organization became. I just started doing that kind of equation in my head, and yoga was super helpful to me. I wanted a caretaker support group because my mother obviously struggled with finding out that my father was abusing me and years later carried a lot of guilt, and I didn't want that for other parents. Um, and then just the idea of community. You know, when I was a teen, I didn't have anybody to talk to about this that were my peers, you know. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I couldn't talk to it with my friends because they didn't know how to relate. And so it's been really a gift to watch. We, you know, we have a teen club that meets every other week and we just started a Sisters in Strength program for girls of color um, who are either survivors or allies um, who want to end sexual violence. And they all get together and have really beautiful, affirming conversations together. Um, and that's not something I had. And so being able to see teens who can see one another and know that they're not alone is a really beautiful thing. I think that's incredible. You took such a traumatic circumstance that happened to you and you turned it around and you gave us a, a support system for people who might have endured the same thing. Right. And, and there's so many people who work with me <clears throat> who are survivors too. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really, I like to think about the relationship between being a healer and healing as being cyclical. And so we have people who have spent their life and who are still healing, who are offering healing to others. And then, but through that act, I feel like the people who are healing are also extending healing to us because we're watching them. We're like, oh my gosh, these kids have got it. You know, yeah. like when they're like affirming one another and I'm like, oh, I don't even have to say that, you know? Uh -huh. And they're like, it doesn't matter what you were wearing or, you know, like it, you know, you, you didn't do anything wrong and I support you. And, you know, I wrote a victim impact statement and it was really hard, but the words came easily when I was ready and I'm just watching them and I'm like, wow, like, I, they don't even need me to say these things. Like, they really get it. Um, so that's pretty incredible, too. That is. Tell us about some of the big events that you do. We have a, um, an event called Soul Fire, which is a um, project where we partner artists and survivors together. Sometimes the artists are survivors themselves, um, and they do either a piece of art to tell the story, or they do like a self-portrait, which is obviously still a piece of art, um, but it's a big multimedia art project. And then um, at the end of the year, we have the Soul Fire Gala. This year, it'll be November 15th, so you guys can pencil me in for that. Um, <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. And <clears throat> Sorry, I'm like choking. Um, and then uh, we have a big party, and we celebrate another year as an organization, which I think sometimes people 
I, I've heard so many people say to me, like, oh, my gosh, I could never do what you do, or I, like, I would love to volunteer, but I'm not there yet, which I certainly get. But I think sometimes people underestimate the, the immense amount of joy that we get to navigate through because we do this work. And so this party is really kind of our end of the year, like, oh, my gosh, we did it. Yes. <laughs> we made it. We're all still here. Um, <clears throat> and that's been really – that's it's been a really fun journey watching that develop and grow over time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting what you've done and how long you've done it. And I feel like we're suddenly seeing a surge in the in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing a change in people who are saying, you know, victims need um, legitimacy. They need to be believed. Mm-hmm. It's so important to be believed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess for you in your position with your organization, how do you feel about um, the sudden um, surgence in, in prioritizing mm-hmm. victims in, the, in their healing, in their stories, mm-hmm. and kind of honoring that? I think it's really Im- important. And I think I was thinking about this this morning, actually, on the way over that, you know, um, while survivors are not new and sexual violence is not new, like, I mean, it's been going on since the dawn of time. Um, what is new is that now everyone knows that they know a survivor. That's what the Me Too movement did. It's, it's no longer a question of whether you know someone or love someone who is a survivor. And that's a powerful moment in history for people because there were really people, I remember when there were, you know, survivors who were sharing their story and then you're watching people go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And then of course that's why the hashtag I believe you started, right? Because people are now, oh my gosh, I now know that so many of my friends are survivors and that's really impactful and I have to think about now I have to think about the ways that I interact with other human beings around this issue because, you know, I think a lot of us can look back and think about things that we said. Um, I was just thinking about Mute R. Kelly um, and how when Aaliyah was at the height of her career, when R. Kelly was targeting her, mm-hmm. I was a teenager and I loved Aaliyah and I never thought about you know, her relationship to R. Kelly when there were all the rumors of him being married to her. And now we know that that was sexual violence, right? Mm -hmm. But as a teenager, I didn't know that. And so I think that this new awareness is going to equip our youth and ourselves with a way to move forward that's much more healthy. Um, and, And knowing that we know people makes it less likely that we can be so flippant about what sexual violence means in our community. Hopefully. Hopefully. Not for everyone. We know not for everyone, but, you know, for people who are compassionate and not terrible. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's more of those (laughs) than the other. (laughs) Um, Anything else? Anything you want to talk about or anything I I should have asked you that I didn't? No. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been an honor to serve on your communications committee. Um, Emily Mata, thanks for joining us to talk to about Martin Waymark Gives. And New Dave, thanks for holding it down on the uh, audio front. So you're an important contribution as well. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For more information about Martin Waymire and what we do, head to our website at martinwaymire.com.